Welcome back to the XX Mormon podcast, the podcast where Bishop Jensen and I, Elder Jackson, work through these things and process our time in Mormonism. We're not exactly sure what the topic is. I'm not exactly sure what the topic is. Maybe Bishop's got something planned. He'll he'll use his revelatory powers, his priesthood keys to instruct us here. Well, like... Um... The day we're recording, April 3rd, this is the opening session of General Conference. The 188th semi-annual General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we were just talking before we hit record about how neither of us realized it was General Conference weekend. And Mm -hmm. we've been recording for about a month and a half, right? Yeah, I think it's been a month and a half. And our objective in recording has been to just unpack and kind of get over not just being a Mormon, but even being an ex-Mormon and just not being angry anymore and trying to forget about it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it was general conference weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for the last year and a half or two years that I've been out, I've looked forward to general conference weekend to like, see the stupid things they say and laugh about it and get angry about it. And I don't even care now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not worth, not worth the energy. Yeah. It's all becoming a lot less interesting. And I was, Surprised because when we started this, I thought it would take oh six months, eight months, nine months, a year for me to just deprogram. And but it's been six weeks, and it's like I am getting less and less interested in talking about Mormonism all the time. The yeah. way I found out it was General Conference weekend was I was scrolling the ex Mormon subreddit, <laughs> and. And, you know, I've heard this, like John Larson, who ran Mormon Expression, would talk about how Mormons and ex-Mormons are all obsessed about the same things. Mm-hmm. So Mormons are all obsessed about law of chastity, word of wisdom, paying your tithing. And all that ex-Mormons talk about is law of chastity, word of wisdom, and tithing. Mm-hmm. And if you go to the ex-Mormon subreddit and you sort by most popular or top posts of all time, they will all have something to do with tattoos, law of chastity, dressing modestly, tithing, something that active Mormons would be talking about all the time too. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it is like a like an anti anti Sunday school conversation, right? Like there there's not really room for nuance, it seems, right? I mean, yes. I yeah. was I was doing some editing yesterday for the podcast to get ahead on all of it cuz mm-hmm. I definitely I dropped the ball this past week with all of my work and I was listening through and in one of our conversations that by now will be out by the time this one comes out, I said something about, oh yeah, you know, spend this year talking about it and, and then I'll, I'll be over it. And I remember when I said that I was thinking, oh yeah, I know I say like spend a year talking about it, but it like it might take longer than that yeah and then when i was listening to it i was like oh yeah definitely like by the time this year is up (laughs) i'll be like all right man that was fun time to (laughs) you know time to move on yeah it's even it's and because there's so many podcasts out now that talk about so many different things it's hard to even come up with something new and unique, I think Mm -hmm. about Mormonism. Yeah. Um, I think one thing, 
Oh, so go ahead. I was just going to say that kind of going back to the breakup episode that we did a while back, when, like, I think there's a phase in the breakup, like, we talked about how hard it is, right, to yeah. go through that experience. But then eventually we get to the point where who cares what your ex is doing? You know, like there's like this jealousy phase of like, oh, she's with somebody else and you're all butthurt about it. But then eventually it gets to the point where you're like, oh, she's got kids and a family. Like, cool. <laughs> Whatever. As she should. Right. Yeah. As she should. <laughs> yeah. Like it would just move on. Right. Yeah. 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 Dude, the thing I took away from that was um, was removing the church from your social media. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, remove when you break up with somebody, removing your ex from your social media, right? And so I went back. I know I was talking about how I only found out about General Conference because I was scrolling the ex Mormon subreddit, but I unsubscribed from it. Mm-hmm. I go back every now and then to the Mormon and ex Mormon ones just to kind of look for anything that could trigger a new episode idea. Mm-hmm. But overall, like I don't subscribe. And then I found that on Facebook, I I've started purposefully unfollowing people who post about the church a lot which like it's their business do whatever you want but i just don't want to see it in my face all the time yep and and that i think that episode about the steps of getting over a breakup and comparing that to getting over leaving the church that was actually like i think a life changer for me Mm -hmm. my perspective it was like you've got to go through these steps to get over it yeah. And, and trying to go through those steps to get over it. Yeah. Yeah. I, what you're talking about with like unsubscribing from the ex Mormon subreddit and just kind of letting yourself, letting that stuff go from your news feeds. Yeah. That's, that's something I've been thinking about the past couple of days. I haven't done it yet, but I have been thinking like, why? <laughs> like, yeah. Why do I care? And so now the only time that, I I see it is when, okay, well, I'm close with my older sister and she posted something Mm -hmm. and I look at it and now it's like, oh, look at this thing, you know, that my kooky aunt posted from her MLM, you know, that she just joined, you know, for the fifth time, right? Like I, I don't, I don't see it as like, oh, that's a, yeah, I'm going to take him (laughs) down, you know, I'm looking at it like. Yep, that's weird, <laughs> you know, and and just seeing it that way lets me just, you know, be on my own and just just be an individual instead. I actually, I was, when I was editing, I, um, one of my roommates came in because he, he needed something and um, I had... On, on the screen, I had the XX Mormon podcast and it was like the, the cover art because I was right. posting it onto the feed, right? Yeah. And and he's like, oh, the XX Mormon podcast. And my roommates all know that I'm gone. And yeah. um, and he he looks at it and he's like, he's like, what's that? I was like, don't look it up. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, it's just, it's just me and other ex Mormons processing and, you know, sometimes ranting a little bit, sometimes venting, but just it's a way for us to move on and put it behind us and stop defining ourselves by the term Mormon, right? That when people ask me, 
oh, are you religious? I just say no instead of, oh, well, I was raised in this evil cult, and blah, 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 right? I can just be like, nope, that's it. I had, while talking about becoming an XX Mormon, like, there was a phase I was in when I first came out of the church. It was, okay, I'm still not, I'm still not drinking alcohol. I'm not drinking caffeine. I will never touch marijuana. All these things, you know, I will still never do them because those things were still wrong, independent of the church. Mm-hmm. The church just happened. And then over time it was, you know, I think some people, they come out and they're like, now I'm going to do all these things that I, that I held back on. Right. I think other people come out and they say, well, those things are still wrong anyway, so I'm not going to do them, but it's still like, it's like this moral dilemma of whether or not they'll do it. Right. And then Mm -hmm. what I found with myself was, is I took a few steps back for a while. I was able to just kind of evaluate the pros and cons on my own and decide whether or not it was something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've been like firmly against is tattoos. But yesterday my daughter put a, like a, one of those temporary tattoos on me. And I thought maybe I could get one of these. <laughs> it, it, Cause it wasn't like, I don't know, like tattoos is being a moral right or wrong. Was it has not been on my mind for so long. Right. Right. That it was just something I could look at and be like, Oh, that might be fun. Yeah. That might be interesting to try. It wasn't like I need to do this to define myself as an unmormon. Right, right. You know, I don't need to get the revenge tattoo. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do the revenge binge drink. I just it was like, oh, maybe I could do it. Yeah. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. And then I just get it and not tell anybody about it. And then when my parents notice it, I'd be like, Oh, I just didn't think it was something worth mentioning. Yeah, I guess I did get one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Yeah, it's just like a nothing thing. (laughs) Yeah. That's like, um, I think my, I mean, yeah, growing up, obviously, we were told, you know, don't get a tattoo, your body is a temple, right? Whatever. But my parents never really had a, you know, oh, but you'll be damned, you know, like, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Shame on you. It never, it never struck me as like, they saw it as evil. They saw it as like, just a rule from the church. Right. Yeah. Right. Same thing. My mom doesn't see tea as evil. She just sees it a commandment from God that you got to follow. Right. As a rule. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that kind of thing helps. Like I've definitely been fortunate with how, you know, not, not lax. My family isn't lax when it comes to church at all, Mm -hmm. but more understanding and compassionate about people have different opinions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I now have, I have a sister who has a tattoo. Um, my parents don't care, you know, and I think, yeah, for me, for me, I'm not going to get a tattoo because I am so averse to pain, any sort of pain. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, nope, 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 nope. I'm like, no, thank you. If it's, if it's going to cause unnecessary pain, <laughs> I'm out, <laughs> yeah. but I don't care about tattoos. I actually think they're really cool on some people. Um, yeah, yeah, like you can get some pretty pretty neat stuff done. But I think that shows progress that we're able to look at it and not think, oh, that's evil, you know, like Satan's got a hold of you. Or it, like you're not looking at it through the lens of Mormonism or ex-Mormonism. It's, you're looking at it through the lens of it. It's a thing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like right? who cares? Like it, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think is the, uh, that's where the progress comes from is when you stop looking at it through the lens of this is Mormon or I have to do this because I'm not Mormon anymore. Right. It's just, this is a thing. One thing that I thought was really interesting when I was active with, when I find out people watch game of Thrones, mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, doesn't that have like a bunch of nudity and stuff like that in it? And I know like in the first couple seasons, there were always like editorials and reviews about it, about not just that it had a lot of sex, but it had like sexual violence and mm-hmm. stuff like that, that being problematic. But when I talk to people, I'd be like, doesn't that have like a lot of sex and stuff? Isn't that like basically soft porn? You'd be like, oh, yeah, I guess. But it just didn't like sit with them, right? It right. wasn't something they took home with them because they never thought about those things in terms of like moral right or wrong. It was just like something in a show. Right, right. And so they didn't walk around with it all day. And I've even found like, I'll see uh, like nudity in a movie. And do you know, it's funny. Have you seen a movie called Alien Covenant? No, I haven't. Okay. So at the end of the movie, there's like a, the briefest shower scene. And there is the briefest scene of side boob. And me and my wife watched it when I was active. And I remember just like going home and be like, I can't believe I saw that. I can't believe I didn't close my eyes. It came and went so fast. I didn't have a chance to really, oh my God. And like I was in this, in, in uh, facing like existential dread and fear of damnation for like a week. And then I watched it a couple weeks ago and I was like, oh, like you don't even really see nipple. Like mm-hmm. there is nothing. This is such a nothing scene. I can't believe I was like so traumatized by this, right? Right. But <laughs> yeah, there's this weird like because your body's a temple, it becomes like a shaming yeah thing, you know, and it's like I remember thinking, "Oh, well, you know, like those Greek statues are are bad because, you know, they they made naked statues." And it's yeah, like right. it's the human body. Yeah. Right? Like I have one right yeah like, yeah <laughs> i'm familiar with it. i have you seen know. this before yeah. right and so yeah. it's like why are we so obsessed with it and and yeah i don't i don't think that i don't believe anything should be gratuitous right mm-hmm. like you know there you know art should be there as art right yeah. um <laughs> And yeah, I don't know. The church just, it makes such a big deal about that stuff. And that's that's been a big one for me, like getting over, because I was always like, oh, their shoulders are showing, you know, like, oh, yeah. I can't handle it. There was a there was like a Mormon made movie where the girl was in a tank top and I was like, how could the directors have done this? Like, this was for Mormons. And blah, blah. Which one was it? Oh, it was like the Zarahemla one, like this weird time travel thing. This girl falls in love with a Nephite. Oh, oh okay. That is like like not made by the church, but made by Mormons. For made Mormons. by Mormons, yeah. Passage like it, to Zarahemla? Yeah, I think it was Passage to Zarahemla. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like super cringy, just weird. Yeah. Was that the worst movie you'd ever seen? No, 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 no. I... I I'd seen um Was it worse than the Book of Mormon the movie part 1? Uh that hmm. never got like a part oh, 2 3 that's 4 That's a good and question. Five? Was it worse than the Book of Mormon part 1? Mm, I'm going to actually go with yes, actually. Yeah, so maybe it was. It was worse. 
Worse Maybe it was the movie. worst movie I've ever seen. It's pretty I have bad. Forgotten, I have forgotten how bad that movie was, but I tried looking it up on YouTube a couple of years ago, and it was so weird. Like, Nephi's walking down the street, and he gets mugged, and then Layman and Lemuel come and bail him out, and, and they hold this thug up against the wall, and the thug's like, I'll never do it again. And they're like, do you hereby covenant to never do it again? And it's like, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so I remember bad. when... Like when the rumors of that movie happened, um, I remember like in sitting in combined priesthood or something, or like the ward I was in when I was like 16, uh, 15 or 16, they tried like combining um, the the priest and laurels with adults for Sunday school. It was like this really weird thing. Um, but any, I just remember people talking like in Sunday school or in combined priesthood, like the adults, they're like, did you know there's a Book of Mormon movie coming out and it will be rated PG-13? And everybody's like, oh. and I'm like, if they made a Book of Mormon movie, it'd be rated R. Oh, yeah. Like hard, hard R. R. Yeah. Yeah. Cutting off arms and carrying the arms around and cutting <laughs> some guy's head off and like so, so much violence in the Book of Mormon, right? Yeah. Yeah. We should, it, we should make like a big movie or make like a like a film series. You know, like a Book of Mormon universe. Well, have you seen that Reign of Judges title of Liberty like promo movie that some guy in Utah is trying to? I think I think I have, but it was a while ago. And Wasn't so it, it looks... like a Kickstarter or something? Yeah, yeah. And he crowdfunded so much, but he's like, this is the most, it's a period war piece like Braveheart or blah, blah, blah. Like every Mormon loves Braveheart. And I know why every Mormon loves Braveheart is because Braveheart is mostly fiction, loosely based on history. And mm-hmm. a lot of things in Mormonism are fiction loosely based on history, right? And so it, it rhymes with a lot of what goes on in Mormonism because 99% of what happened in Braveheart didn't really happen or didn't happen the way it's depicted. And, and it's depicted in a way to like promote freedom. So he keeps talking, the guy, who whatever his name is, who's trying to make this Reign of Judges title of liberty, he he talks about how the Book of Mormon is a true account and tells a story of a nation's the the core message of the Book of Mormon is about freedom. The core message of the Book of Mormon is actually about the redemption of the Lamanites. But American Mormons have forgotten that because of like two chapters talking about the title of liberty and kingmen and freedom. And that rhymes with American values and and you know when the church in Utah was so un-American and then got statehood and tried so hard to become American, it's like, that's the only thing they focused on. But really the book of Mormon is like about native Americans redeeming themselves and running the country. Mm-hmm. That is like the promise on the title page of the book of Mormon. Yeah. Is that the Lamanites who are the native Americans are going to become God's people again and run the show. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with white people. It's got nothing to do with white people's freedom. It's got everything to do with Lamanites. Yeah, um, except, well, yeah, <laughs> I just, it's got so many. Like, yes, it's yeah. made up and weird, yeah. but the core <laughs> message of it is about redeeming lost Israel and lost Israel is the Lamanites who are Native well, Americans. Right, but you have to go through the Gentiles for them to do that, right? To like get it's it. a white yeah. savior th- story still. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, for sure. But I mean, like, and, and I think that's, that is like one proof that nobody ever thinks about the book of Mormon when they're reading it. I remember there's one, I was, I was teaching a Sunday school lesson on Samuel, the Lamanite. 
And this was something that dawned on me when I was a missionary and I was reading the book of Mormon, like once every two months, like reading through it, I, it was like 10 pages a day and kind of 10 pages a day, you get through it every couple months. Mm -hmm. And I, what stood out to me was every like big sermon in the book of Mormon is actually a prophet talking to apostate Nephites. Mm -hmm. There, there are very few sermons that are actually directed to people outside of the covenant you know, i.e. Lamanites. And so I was teaching this lesson on Samuel, the Lamanite. And I, I just said that to people. I said, you know, I read through the book of Mormon several times and what stood out to me was that nobody's ever actually preaching to the people outside the church. They're always preaching to the wayward people in the church and the church is always going wayward in the book of Mormon. And so I said, when I read this, these words from Samuel, the Lamanite, I want you to imagine that the Lord is chastising you within his church, because that's what Samuel the Lamanite was doing. And it talks about like the sword of justice hangs over your head. And if you don't repent and blah, blah, blah. And all these people came up to me after the lesson. They said, I never thought of the book of Mormon that way before. Hmm. And I was like, that's what the book says. And it was like, it was shocking to me how many people have been reading this book their whole lives and don't understand what the book is saying. Yeah. I wonder what, like, um, like they never, it's right. People it's, never really study it. They're just like looking for the thing that their stake president told them to look for. Right. Or, yes. Under, underline yeah. every time it says Jesus in it. Yeah. And, and, oh, and see how many times it talks about Jesus. And right. Right. And, and, and that's how, you know, right. And then they also have this, you know, a narrative kind of in the background of the Lord's one true church and where the, you know, we have to redeem the world and blah, blah, blah. So they can't see that the book of Mormon actually heavily chastises the people who have been given the truth. Mm-hmm. It, the people who, you know, were born in ignorance in the book of Mormon, that sins on their father's heads, but they're fine. And so if you compare that to the modern church, it would be everybody outside the church is okay. It's people who are in the church who have the truth, who are under a higher standard and need to be reformed right, all right. the time. Right. Right. And, yeah. uh, uh, yeah, there's a few other things in the Book of Mormon that I think prove that nobody ever really reads it or thinks about what they're reading. Um, but like I'd say for me, sorry, you go through high school English and if you take English courses in university, you've, you learn to read and study novels a certain way mm-hmm. and try and look at messages and meaning and, and who's got which character do you think is the author's voice and and, you know, all those things. And so I started you know, kind of in high school and then on my mission, reading the book of Mormon with that lens, like, what is this book saying as a book instead of like, what, what is it Sunday school manual trying to teach me? What does this book say as a book? Right. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, so some things that show that nobody ever really reads that book as a book is number one, like the book of ether, right? (laughs) Like, like nobody has thought it. And sometimes people try and think about what that book is saying and they'll say it in Sunday school and then it gets shut down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It just feels so like the barges or the, yeah, yes. It is like too much. Right. Yeah. And I remember like people, I remember people saying like, they took, wait, they took beehives into these submarines and they're like, yeah, crazy. Hey. And it's like, but they've got a, a stopper on the top and the bottom. So this thing's like rolling around they're rolling around with all these animals and stuff. Like how do people not die? And they're like, miracle of the lord like it just gets dismissed right i love even, like 
that you just have to think for like five seconds about it to be like wait a second you know like yeah like this doesn't doesn't fit yeah yeah well like it doesn't square with reality and like it is beyond preposterous and it's like like the brother of jared is putting these barges together and the only thing he's worried about is that he won't be able to see anything it's like what about how are we going to take enough provisions how are we going to take enough fresh water for us and all these animals how are we going to make you know what are we going to do with all the shit and piss yeah nope it's just and, and i think that's like an analogy for lds leaders now is that you've got all these problems in the world and it's like hey guys two hour church and it's like, but there's like social injustice and like civil rights problems and, and, and racial strife in the U.S. still. Well, and I mean, and everywhere on different levels and over different yeah. things. And yeah, yeah, like, like we've got bigger fish to fry. And it's like, guys, the great revelation is we're going to call home teaching ministering now. Can you believe these sweeping changes? I in the love mouth it. Of God, and this is what he can say. And it's like, that's just like the brother of Jared, right? Imagine you're building one of these barges and you're like, oh man, this donkey shit's a crap ton. I can't imagine sitting in a barge with all this, like let alone a barn with all this, right? Mm -hmm. What are we going to do with all this shit and piss? And then brother Jared comes down. He's like, guys, don't worry. I talked to God and I saw his finger and then I saw all of him. And it's like, what, what did he say? How are we going to deal with all the shit and the piss? And he's like, no, don't worry, guys. We got light bulbs now. (laughs) 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 i feel like you could make like a a thinly veiled comedy sketch out of that that like if people are if if, right you know like theme of monty python right yeah yeah. that if people are watching and just have any critical thinking they'll connect the dots and be like wait a second well, that like that was my favorite part of watching the South Park Mormons episode mm-hmm. is when is when they're talking about the last 116 pages. And I think I've talked about this on the show mm-hmm. already, but when <laughs> they're talking to Stan's family or whatever the Mormons are. And, and he's like, so what happened in the last last 116 pages? Something that actually proves that the book is more true. <laughs> it's like, what is well, nobody. <laughs> He couldn't retranslate it because people would change it. So he just made up something new. And doesn't isn't that a great proof of the book? I love it. Like it takes uh, it takes so little critical thinking, I think. But like I think the thing that's funny about watching that as somebody outside of the church is that the writers like Matt Matt Stone and Trey Parker absolutely 100% encapsulated all true believing Mormons with that depiction. Mm-hmm. And that was me too. I was that yeah. family in that show. Yeah. I was the guy saying the last 116 pages is actually an evidence of the truth that God had prepared this extra stuff because he knew this would happen. Right. And it's like, wait a second. <laughs> And it, like in the back of my mind, I always knew like, this is bogus. Like, yeah. why didn't he just retranslate? I was like, this doesn't make sense that people would. And so there's some forger out there who's going to forge Joseph Smith's handwriting. Well, and-, and and rewrite the 116 pages, but rewrite it differently because you can't just like scribble in. There's no room for him to write in new stuff or change it on right. the exist. Someone's going to re 
copy and edit 116 pages and then they completely disappeared and nobody came back and said like this is the other thing he wrote mm-hmm. like <laughs> yeah and then i love he it says i don't i don't know why i'm writing this like i, I don't i don't know why i'm saying this again i don't i don't know why but i i got to i got to just reiterate what what well, dad wrote you know it, it's like exa- it's well, like it's not, wait a second not, this is it's awfully not that I'm convenient. copying this word for word again. It's not I'm making duplicate copies. It's I'm paraphrasing my dad's words. Yeah. Because someone else is going to need a paraphrase of what my dad said. Sometime. So but it's done for funny. a wise per. And I even remember like as a kid learning about that thinking, I'm like, they'd probably be better off not taught. Like when you get that Sunday school lesson, mm-hmm. it's like, we'd probably be better off not talking about this than trying to use it as proof positive. Mm -hmm. I wish we could skip over this because this is just too bizarre, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I don't know. And I I had the conversation when I was Pimo to say, like, you can't convince somebody into it, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you can't prove it. And I tell tell the missionaries that when I went for lessons. So you can't, you can't, you cannot. Yeah. And so just like, I don't know, be nice and maybe they'll want to join the club. Right. Like, because you can't, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit. If somebody just takes five seconds, it's like, wait a second, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe uh, in kind of finishing up the conversation on, on moving on. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of how we started this episode. What does what does your life look like a year from now in in relation to the church? Um, what I think I'd like what I'd like to see is to not be able to remember all the things I can still remember and recite. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that's that was like a hard thing for me. That was almost like a. Uh, a monkey trap. Have you heard of the monkey traps mm. where it's like you cut out a hole in a coconut and the hole you can put your hand in like this, but if you make a fist, you can't pull your hand out. Mm. That's the size of the hole. So they do that to trap monkeys. They, they take a coconut, cut a small hole so that they could fit their hand in. But if they made a fist, they couldn't pull it out. And then they put some kind of food or something like that inside the coconut shell. So the monkeys would, grab onto the coat, grab the thing in the coconut and then make the fist. They wouldn't be able to pull their hand out and they wouldn't let go of the thing inside. Mm-hmm. Even though if they let go of the thing inside, they could get out of the trap. So knowledge of the scriptures and stuff like that for me for a long time, was like a monkey trap. Hmm. It was my ex Cause it was so integral to my identity that even though I was leaving Mormonism, I didn't want to forget those things. Cause it, it made me, me still, even though I was trying to find a new me, but now I'm like, I want to forget all of those things. Hmm. I don't want to be able to recall and recite stories from the book of Mormon. I don't want to be able to talk about the book of ether and know who the brother of Jared is. I want to be like, you know, that part near the end of the book where they get on the boats again with that guy, you know, the details, I don't want to know the details anymore. I want that out of my brain. I want to be the person where, where, where people inside the church would say, and, and his mind's been darkened because he's turned away from the Lord. 
Right. Right. I, I, that's what I want to be next. I want my brain to be darkened to those things. Cause I want it to be fill full of new things. Hmm. Yeah. I like the idea of being full of new things. I I've yeah. noticed something for me in this process is I've lost a lot of structure, right? I've lost my schedule, you know, a yeah. lot of the social things that, that, you know, tell me when to wake up and when to go to bed. And I think I just want to have, have a full life elsewhere mm-hmm. uh, that, that I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, I've lost my friends, right? I'm in, instead to be at a point where it's like, oh, yeah, I just have a good life. Yeah. I can't like I want to be able to talk about my time in Mormonism the same way people who were raised Catholic talk about how they used to go to catechism. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like a, a a vague memory and part of their childhood. Right. It's like, oh yeah, right. grandma was there and you know. Yeah. 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 Like I was I was talking to a friend who's been out of the church for a few years and he couldn't remember. He had no idea who the apostles were. He had no idea who the president of the church was. Um and then even when you said like, you know, Russell, he's like, I'm Russell Ballard. Like, you know what I mean? He's right. just throwing names out that kind of, yeah. And uh, that that's where I want to forget so much. Right. Yeah. 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 To just be at a point where the rest of the world is. Yes. Where it's just a weird group that some people are a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And you may have met one once. That's yeah. it. That's it. I even like one thing that brings me a lot of happiness right now is looking at my kids and knowing that they'll never be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want that to make me feel anything. Right. You know what I mean? I wanted like right now I am still toasting marshmallows by the fire of the burning church. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to, you know, I want to read about it burning itself down as if I'm reading about, you know, uh, a news story in an obscure part of the world for me. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. It's like, Oh, did you hear there was an apartment on fire in Mozambique? Like, Oh, you know, that's what I, that's what I, how, right. how familiar I want to be with events in the church is like, did you know the church is doing some other stupid thing that's going to ostracize and, and make a lot of people upset. And like, Oh, weird. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And then you just uh, get back to your day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're like, huh? Well, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming in. All right. <laughs> yeah. So back, back yeah. to my real life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like how about a year from now? What do you see? I want to be at a point where the only thing I'm hearing about it is occasionally in my family group chat. If somebody says, oh, I taught a lesson at church today. Yeah. And they're sharing with the rest of the family that, and I'm just there like, whatever. And I, I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, this is killing me. Like it drives me insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to be moved on just yeah. to a point where all it is, is some weird fringe culture, um, that I hear about every now and then, but I'm not, I'm not looking for it. Right. We talked about removing it from the feed. Yeah. It's just not there. 
I know one, one thing I see as an obstacle is like my, my parents care about their church callings and commit themselves to their church callings, probably the same way that I kind of care about and commit myself to my job. Mm -hmm. And so really talking to my parents about what's going like for a lot of people, their job takes up a lot of their mental, emotional kind of space. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard, you know, you get together with some friends and you all talk about work and you talk about your boss or you talk about a project you're working on or whatever. Right. That's what it's like when I talk to my parents about what they're doing at church, mm. you know, and, and it, I just imagine it would be hard for me to find chit chat with my parents outside of talking about the church. Right. Right. Yeah. And it would be nice though, to get to a point where you care about that conversation as much as you care about the conversation with your, you know, lawyer friend who's like, yeah. oh yeah, I did this case. And you're like, huh, interesting. Yeah. That's and you're it. like, you're like you're interested in it because you're interested in the person and what they do right, right. with their time. Right. But you're not necessarily interested in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's kind of one thing I think that might be, it's a bit of a challenge for me is that well, with dealing with members of the church is that any interest you show is a sign of you give them hope, right? You give right. Them, yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, he was really asking a lot of questions about what we do in our calling in our church. Right. And maybe he's coming back now. Yeah. And it's no, it's just, I I'm interested in you and in your life. And this is a big part of your life. So I want to know what you're doing in that thing, but outside of you doing something in it, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like right? it's just, you know, and then if they ask, you can just be like, ah, no, thanks. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, you know, oh, do you want to come to my, you know, makeup selling party? Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Real quick before we, we wrap up this episode. Um, I, I had a satisfying moment yesterday. One of my old roommates, well, they were kind of all in the living room of the apartment in Rexburg that we shared for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And they, they called me up just to chat. Well, I guess they had a question for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so they, they call up and then we chat a little bit and, uh, one of them's getting married. And so we were, we were just chatting and they say, uh, they, they're, they're like, Oh, we went to, uh, went to the old bishop's place, the bishop who was our bishop when I first moved to Rexburg. And, uh, and they, they asked about me because I really liked that bishop and his wife, actually, really great people. And, and of the bishops in Rexburg, one of the better ones, he really didn't believe in tattling on us to the school, which was great. Right, yeah. And... Uh, they were over there for dinner and games, and uh, they they asked their say, "Oh, how's Elder Jackson doing? You know what's what's he up to?" And my roommate who called me, he he says, and I just said, "Oh, he's an atheist now," and <laughs> and, uh, and they were like, "Oh," and and he was like, "Yeah," and he just like acted so like casually about it, you know, like he didn't, he didn't talk like, and then I told them very carefully and delicately that you left the church and, 
you know, that how upset we are about it. He, he just like said it straight out, you know, mm-hmm. and I thought what, you know, that's a good place to be where it's not like a scandal thing where it's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, he's just doing this thing now. He's just moved on. Yeah. Like that was really, really satisfying to me. So, um, yeah, I guess. Uh, are we ready to wrap it up, Bishop? Yeah, I'm good. Sounds good. Then uh, yeah. we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, amen. <laughs>